Welcome to the Blasphemous Pope Cathedral, and this is the Blasphemous Pope Podcast, where we talk about disaster preparedness, emergency preparedness, and the cultural war that is bringing emergency and disaster right to our doorstep. So take a seat, strap in, and enjoy the wild ride that is the Blasphemous Pope Podcast. If you wish to, there is a support button on the homepage on my Anchor site. Please feel free to donate as little as 99 cents a month. Thank you very much. Hello and welcome back to the Blasphemous Pope podcast. This is your Blasphemous Pope and today we are going to be talking about the information war. Uh, Particularly we will be talking about propaganda and sensationalism in the United States primarily but we will be spreading this out due to current events to our northern neighbors up in Canada. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the history Uh, of this phenomenon here in the United States. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, yellow journalism and the the turn-of-the-century media situation, Uh, the state propaganda uh, that has been an ever-present thorn in the truth side uh, since the founding of the country, and uh, in current events how big data plays into all of this uh, reckless scenario. Um, I want to uh, take a moment to uh, talk about communications, about sharing information and uh, the pros and cons, the fact that it is in fact a double-edged sword. Uh, You relay information with your, your compatriots, your your comrades, your your friends, your family, and uh, bad actors can easily uh, intercept said information and how to deal with these things. What are the viable solutions to uh, protecting your information? Um, we'll then move on to Uh, Another hot-button topic of the day, as it were, uh, the dis- and misinformation uh, phenomenon uh, uh, separating uh, propaganda, which would be a malign attack, uh, a malignant attack, rather, um, sensationalism, which is uh, uh, an exaggeration-based attack, and... Uh, the general idiocy of the population at large, you know, the old saying, don't follow the masses because the M is silent. It's not sometimes, it's all the time. Then uh, we're going to do a little deep dive into propaganda and sensationalism. We're going to talk about uh, these phenomenon in the past, in the present, and seeing the overall pattern that these uh, these methods of information control actually uh, produce, and how we can identify when it's a good idea to uh, start rallying. Well, 
it should always be a good idea to be on the side of truth. But when it's a desperate idea, I suppose we could say to uh, uh, rally, <laughs> rally hard against these things. Um, and then we're going to uh, uh, do a current and rolling back example of modern propaganda and sensationalism. Uh, as far as propaganda is concerned, we're going to be talking about media coverage, state laws, uh, and political tribalism, the three real big vectors for um, propaganda. And as far as sensationalism is concerned, we're going to be talking about celebrity obsession, uh, politician obsession, uh, which generally are almost more than the same now, but still kind of deserving of their own uh, topic, since there are certain things that politicians can do to us that celebrities just can't. And the focus on exaggeration, and, uh, and that's, uh, that's going to be today's sermon, sermon number six. So, pull up a seat. And thank you for joining us here on the Blasphemous Pope Podcast. Okay, so let's begin this sermon here with a little bit of history. Um, I am going to uh, make a little disclaimer here that I am a big fan of Bailey Sarian's dark history show that she has on YouTube. I believe she also has it on uh, uh, Apple Podcasts and what have you. And I would highly recommend uh, you listen to her uh, coverage of yellow journalism. Uh, it is truthful. Uh, it is a, a, a great analysis of historical events, and uh, I can't really compare to it. So I am literally going to defer you to go to another podcast and listen to someone else talk about yellow journalism. She did a great job. She was very in-depth, and I, I appreciate the work that she does. So... Yeah, go check that out. Uh, I will provide a link in the description of this podcast to uh, the specific podcast I'm talking about. Um, now, uh, I do want to note that that yellow journalism isn't the beginning of, of media propaganda and media sensationalism. Uh, it is just one of the most blatant and most easily researched examples. If you look at any of the media from the Civil War, from the Revolutionary War, from uh, from early America when uh, the Whiskey Rebellion happened, uh, media sensationalism has been all over the place all the time. 
and uh, there was a, a point in time where where it was regulated, but uh, in, thanks to President Barack Obama in 2012, uh, that ended, uh, and um, uh, we are seeing the unintended consequences or intended consequences, depending on your point of view of that. Um, now, um, as far as yellow journalism is concerned, it is based around uh, the Yellow Man comic uh, and the war over the comic who wrote that comic because it was so endearing to people. Uh, but basically, that was it was a sensationalist comic. Uh, you know, it took an issue, it went to some bizarre. Tenth level interpretation of the issue and promoted uh, at one point in time uh, uh, promoted enough political outrage to start a war, and that's the real power of uh, of media uh, um, propaganda and media sensationalism. Um, now, uh, as far as the state is concerned, uh, you know, the, the public means of propaganda, we, we see examples of this with every war. We see examples of this with uh, every, uh, every policy that they push, from anti-gun policies to uh, pro-Medicaid, Medicare for all policies. Uh, uh, they, they, they push this narrative that if you disagree with what I'm saying said politician, then you agree with this exact opposite view of the most horrible thing I could come up with. Um, and, uh, and why do they do this? Because it is a form of social pressure. Uh, if you are automatically aligned, if the prejudice is that if you do not agree with this, that you uh, are an enemy of the people, it, it is a dissuasive tactic to those with less integrity. Those who are not willing to fight to be understood uh, will obviously buckle to public pressure. Uh, it's a it's a adult version of bullying, basically. Um, and now, where big data fits into all of this is the modernization of information. We live in the information age now and um, that, uh, that massive amount of information that everyone has uh, opens people up to sensationalism and propaganda. Uh, it's important to note that if you take a really long, honest look at how media is uh, distributed in, in big data, that it is actually monopolistically controlled. Uh, there are a few very big names. There are many small names that nobody knows, but those are generally irrelevant because nobody knows who they are. Uh, your, your floats, your MeWees, your, uh, your minds, those, those alternate social media platforms uh, are ghost towns compared to your Twitters, your Facebooks, and what have you. Um, and because of the fact that there are very few big names, that means that it's easy to silence people. And a little note about 
Facebook being a private company, Twitter being a private company. They aren't really. They are a fascistic marriage between the state and corporate entities because they go to Congress and Congress directs them, what are you going to do about people defying what we say? And since that is actually a thing that happens, we have to understand that they aren't exactly private anymore. Welcome back. All right. So uh, now we're going to talk a little bit about communications and comms and, you know, how it is a double-edged sword. Uh, a healthy community community communicates. Uh, they, that's part of the deal there. That's the reason why the root words are pretty much the same. Um, we, we have to look at it as a tool, as a community. Uh, you know, uh, a healthy uh, dialogue between everybody uh, helps keep the community flowing, keeps uh, uh, shortages to a minimum, keeps uh, overages to a minimum. Uh, it, it helps preserve a balance. Um, now, when, uh, when we use communication as a tool, um, we have to understand uh, that uh, there are levels of technology when it comes to communication. Uh, people that you live next door to, you don't generally need to write an email to. I understand that we live in a day and age where uh, personal interhuman contact on the physical plane is somehow considered taboo, but in reality, the most private and the most secure communications you can have are face-to-face -face with another human being. That will always be the case. It doesn't matter what technology does. There, there are levels of security that you can take with electronic um, uh, communications, but uh, we'll get into that later. Uh, but really examine the level of tech that you have and what is required for what you are trying to communicate and go with the least uh, difficult path to follow. That's usually the most secure. Um, now, as a weapon, and this, this is the part where it really becomes a double-edged sword because it's a weapon that we can use and a weapon that is consistently used against... Uh, us in in an information war um, who controls the information controls the conversation controls the opinions of the population and controls the amount of excess of which the state can use force against you so it's important to to make sure that you're not in hiding 
you want to let the world know that you are not a danger to them you're a danger to the toxic society that they support but not to them in particular that you understand that they are not their government and they are not actively bringing arms against you so it's not really them that you are seeking to um upset but uh, rather to be free from the chains that which bind you. Now, when you have comms that get intercepted, there are telltale signs. You, you will notice certain things will go awry. Some things will seem sabotaged, and and that is an, a, a supreme evidence of uh, intercepted communications. It's the reason why uh, when Turing cracked the German code back in World War II, they didn't act on the information in a regular fashion. They acted on the information, so it seemed like it was almost luck, not not knowledge. And countless people died because of that, but that is a, uh, a tactical strategy for the use of information. Uh, and that's something to keep in mind when your information gets intercepted that that's a possibility that's going to happen especially when you're dealing with a military tactical opponent and that is also how you should deal with intercepting information if you have information about caravans you don't always act uh, well military caravans or people going uh, and getting uh, the police after them you can't act on every single one of them because then the authorities will know that you have a line on their communications. And of course, that's a bad thing because then they know who to target. Now, let's talk a little bit about solutions to the communications conundrum because, well, we have to have some sort of solution. Um, primarily, I would, uh, I would suggest uh, encryption as a... a technological solution and I would suggest low-tech as a uh, non-technological solution for close-range communications if you don't need to send an email don't send an email if you don't need to send a text don't send a text go and talk to the person and as I said before yeah uh, interpersonal contact has become something of a hot-button issue for a great many young people in this world but it is the safest form of communication available. Um, the other thing that we should be uh, concerned about in the information war is actually beating surveillance because whether or not we like it, there is a global network of fake facial recognition uh, present on the planet and there are methods via makeup, via um, clothing choices to defeat facial recognition, we should be adopting those as well.
All right, welcome back. Now we are, uh, we're going to talk about misinformation and disinformation um, and maybe a little bit about malinformation. These are three forms of incorrect information and um, it's important to know the difference between them. Uh, misinformation is literally a mistake and error. Uh, if uh, you, you get a piece of information and it and it's wrong no matter what the source but you repeat it you are really just misinforming people or you are misinformed if it's an accident uh, disinformation is when you're actually uh, malignantly uh, making information say what you want it to say rather than what the truth is you know what the truth is and you are using the information to lie basically um, and uh, both of these arguments are are, are well, all of these things are based slightly on reality enough to make it information but enough to also be dishonest malinformation is um, basically just showcasing very bad information to make someone look bad out of context and what have you um, now how do you know uh, uh, misinformation, disinformation, malinformation is being used. Uh, I hate to sound very pedantic, but if it's on the media, generally you can assume that it's probably uh, uh, at least misinformation, but more than likely disinformation. Um, there's plenty of books out there that will tell you how to lie with statistics, how, how to turn facts into your favor in order to make it seem like the facts are saying something they're not. Uh, and we don't really have to go all that far back in our history. We can go back two years to March of 2020 when um, we saw public officials using disinformation claiming that, that death statistics for COVID-19 were much higher than they actually were. Um, specifically, we have the Freedom of Information uh, request that happened in England that proved that to be the case, but there was enough suspicion about that here in the United States that uh, a couple of state hospitals were actually sued. Um, if I recall correctly, uh, Pennsylvania uh, had a few of them. Now, the uh, health director that was in Pennsylvania at the time is now a federal employee, by the way. I just want to make sure that everyone's on the same page, that lying for the government actually pays via the government. Um, now, uh, when it comes to things like this, um, whether, you, whether you're seeing or, or hearing or, or it's being said or people are hearing it about you, the primary thing is you need to keep your integrity. You need to not go to that level. You can't just take anything that people say and turn it around and go, this is, this is about them so, and it puts them in a bad light, so this must be true. You need to actually do the work and make sure that what you're saying is 100% true. Your integrity will carry you through this. Your character as a, as a person will carry you through any smear campaign because the people who are willing to believe it already don't want you around anyway. And the people who it could convince that do want you around will be more um, influenced by your reaction 
your character and the fact that you stand by the truth. You have to dispel myths. You can't just create more. Um, you know, it's the same thing. You don't get into an argument with a stupid person because they'll drag you down to their level and beat you with experience. It's the same thing with muckrakers and mud mudslayers. <clears throat> now, um, sensationalism is another part of this, and that, that really has a lot to do with misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation. Um, corporate media uh, and useful idiots basically have no problem spreading sensationalism. It, it's a part of their culture. It's what sells views, what sells papers, what sells likes. And you really need to do your own work to separate the wheat from the chaff on this one um, and be very critical. Being critical is probably going to be your greatest asset uh, in the information war. And you, you really need to understand that not everybody who says they're your friend is your friend. Uh, and you have to make hard choices. There's going to be family that are not going to be taking this trip with you. They're going to be lifelong friends that are going to turn their back on you. If anything, the last two years has shown us is that there are people who are susceptible to misinformation and disinformation coming from official sources, and they are willing to turn their back on you. I've lost friends. We've all lost friends. And we've all lost family. And it's time for us to really just take stock, make those hard choices, and and move forward because um, that's that's what this is really all about. It's not about having the most friends at the end or having the most likes on your social media. It's about moving forward and, and surviving through some of the worst that humanity is throwing at us. Thank you for joining me on this sermon. I hope you've gained some much needed insight and perspective. Maybe learned something about self-sustaining communities, how to start them, develop them, and maintain them. And about the cultural war that is making these communities become a necessity for our very survival. Again, if you wish to support this podcast, you can always click the link on Anchor and for as little as 99 cents a month, support this podcast. And also just by watching and sharing, it's a great help. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Welcome to the Blasphemous Pope Cathedral. And this is the Blasphemous Pope podcast, where we talk about disaster preparedness, emergency preparedness, 
and the cultural war that is bringing emergency and disaster right to our doorstep. So take a seat, strap in, and enjoy the wild ride that is the Blasphemous Pope podcast. If you wish to, there is a support button on the homepage on my anchor site. Please feel free to donate as little as 99 cents a month. Thank you very much.